We are Chris and Beth Bruno, and this is the Walking With Podcast. We lead a team of brave and brilliant story work counselors and coaches around the country, all committed to helping you come alive. Join us as we explore the sacred landscape of the human heart at the intersection of theology, psychology, and ministry. So we used to think of ourselves as coffee snobs, and we have been called coffee snobs. I mean, we've got some equipment, like we just got back from camping, we have some things. Coffee is important, but I've realized that we are second-class citizens when it comes (laughs) to the coffee snob world, because there are, you know, coffee roasters who pride themselves in, in the roast and would call what we prefer burnt. Yes. And look down upon us. So yes. we're kind of second rate when it comes to the coffee world. But I was just remembering because they're putting in a new Starbucks now, right? Closer to our house. Right up the street. We're so excited. And I like actually gasped out loud alone in my car <laughs> when I saw the sign. And it immediately brought me back to 18 years ago. 18 years ago. 18 years ago. Oh my gosh. Because I was very, very pregnant okay. with Ella. Mm-hmm. And we were... In the mall, our nearest kind of shopping center in Turkey, in Istanbul. And we were just walking around, wasting time with our two-year-old. And we saw the logo for Starbucks from a distance. And I think you and I must have both screamed out loud. I think I can still even feel the little heart flutter. Even (laughs) even looking at your face right now, I can see the excitement. And I can feel the heart flutter of recognizing that symbol in that foreign place. So it was going to be the first Starbucks in the entire country. And it was literally our shopping center. Yes. And we were so inc- like over the top excited that we made invitations. Do you remember? We made invitations for opening day. We did. And we sent them to like friends in America who we knew would be thrilled for us. And we our had a party. We were the first there. On opening day, I was very pregnant. I must have been eight months pregnant. Well, hold on a second. We had to go back a few a few months because they were in construction for a while in the mall, and I remember going back and checking on their progress to see if they, you know, how soon they would be opening and all that. And I remember ducking into and kind of under the the grate or whatever it is into the door into the Starbucks and started talking to the manager, asking him questions like, when are you going to open? When are you going to open? And he offered me a job. Well, they offered you a job after we ran into this same manager in three different Starbucks because right after that one opened, remember, they opened... And actually, they opened another one on the same day in another part of the city. And then by the end of that year, they had opened like five or six. And it was the same opening manager. And he was seeing us at all of them. At all of them. (laughs) And we were frequent flyers. We were frequent flyers. And after he had seen you enough, he offered you a job. Right. (laughs) Which I was very tempted to take. So here's the thing. Starbucks now is actually, I think Turkey has more Starbucks locations than any other country outside of the U.S. And it exploded. Right. Um, But back then, in those first few weeks of opening, it was quite a luxury. I mean, it was an expensive cup of coffee for Turkey in the land of Turkish coffee, no less. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was kind of an insult at the same time. And yet, Turks loved it, Istanbulites especially, loved 
their Starbucks. But for us, it was a huge kind of thing. I mean, after the excitement wore off, it became a ethical decision (laughs) of is this worth spending this kind of money with the salary that we have in this land? Um, And it was, you know, it's just so funny. It's an 18-year-old story, but it marked the beginning of us starting to rethink the way we spent money and coming to really adopt a principle of living, a mm-hmm. way of living that has marked the 18 years of ministry since. Right. And so that that principle back then, 18 years ago, we began to put some words to what is what is this about us? What are we realizing about ourselves? And, you know, in, in ministry, it's it's challenging. There's so many different challenges, both in the finances as well as the the actual work that we're doing that we decided, this was our language, we decided that sanity is worth money. And that that at that point, $5, which still is a $5 cup of coffee, right? When you go to Starbucks now, but that $5 cup of coffee is worth what is worth it for us to get the reprieve, to get the both the flavors and the tastes that we loved, as well as the space that felt uh, familiar and relaxing and all that so that we could rejuvenate and recharge to go back and do the work that we were there to do. I remember one of the best perks was that there was no smoking allowed. And it was really the only cafe at the time where that was true. And so it really was a reprieve in all sorts of ways. Yes. And that that's important for us, I think, as ministers to recognize and realize that sanity is worth money. And especially in another thing that we have language for is that is uh, that people in ministry live in what we call a fishbowl life, where you are this fish in this fishbowl and everyone on the outside of your world in your life can see directly in everything that you're doing, all the places that you're going, how you're spending your money, what how you're investing your time, like all of that, it's the fishbowl life provides for you this sense of like, I got to watch what I spend, not only because of my budget, but because of what will other people think. Well, and it happens because of a number of things. First of all, you're raising your support. And so when you are, when you have financial donors, there is a sense of expected transparency. And you might offer as much transparency as any other person would, but when you're in full-time ministry, there's a heightened expectation that like, even more of your financial decisions are scrutinized yes. and watched because other people feel like they're contributing to your lifestyle. And there's all of this comparison of, well, I didn't, I didn't take my family on vacation this summer. How come you're taking your family on vacation and I'm giving you money to do so? Where is that money going? Where are those dollars going? So that's one of the reasons. The other is we're we're called to regularly report and give kind of the updates and the explanations of what we're doing and how we're spending our time. And so our time is also scrutinized. Time and money in the ministry world is the fishbowl life. And it's really hard to live in that bowl. And especially as a married couple in ministry, as, as we're talking through this series about how to survive ministry uh, as a married couple, this this is a big thing. And I've talked to a lot of people even now that we're back in the States and working with and walking with people in ministry, this is a big thing. And, and I put language to that with people, the fishbowl life and sanity is worth money, those kinds of phrases. And there's almost like this relief that comes over their face. They're like, oh, you get it, you understand. And it's actually true. It's not, it wasn't just for you and me, Beth. It was, it, it is for people in ministry. Mm-hmm. 
a ton. And it's it's hard. It's mm-hmm. really hard. And it's not only hard for those people that, you know, in, in front of your donors, but it's also hard in front of your teammates. Because I remember back to the Starbucks story that, you know, you and I would go there often and we would sometimes want to meet people there. But other people would say to us, oh, well, I can't afford to meet you there because it's so expensive. And that that just created some delineation, some lines, some distance between us and other people. And so, you know, it caused us to question and to think back. And maybe we were spending too much money on that cup of coffee. But it just ended up, we, we had to actually take a step back and go, what is worth it for us? Mm-hmm. And maybe those are some space. there are some spaces that we're going to find our own sanity that are going to remain more private. Mm-hmm. That we're not going to invite everybody into or broadcast that we're there in in Starbucks. Like we sent out all those invitations and we had a big party and all that kind of stuff. Well, so over time, we slowly started to not invite people into those places because it needed to be more private. We still needed the sanity, but it just became the fishbowl life just became too hard to rectify. Well, and that year was prior to Facebook and Instagram. <laughs> and so <laughs> it was it was before this age where everything like does something happen if you haven't taken a picture of it and if you haven't posted it. And so I think what we also have come to learn over the years is this this other principle of learning how to cultivate a discipline of living a private life in a documented world. And that is what you just said. Like we're not always sharing and showcasing the the choices that we're making, recognizing that what we have decided gives us sanity and helps us do this for the long haul is different than the next person. Mm -hmm. And that we all spend our time and our money differently. Different things bring us life and rejuvenate our souls. And so learning how to keep those more private in an age of every little detail is documented has truly been a discipline. Mm It really is. And I want to just say that, so sanity is worth money. That phrase is not the opposite of us being a frugal couple. We are a frugal couple and we actually spend uh, very intentionally and really work hard around our finances. But there are some things that we've decided to invest our money in so that we can you know, receive that sanity or have that space for ourselves that we don't invest in other things that other people do. And, and sometimes the things we choose get judged and sometimes they don't. And that's part of the whole private life thing that we really advocate for ministers to have is that you being in the fishbowl life, you don't need to let everybody know everything about all the things that you're doing or going or buying or spending. And that there are just some things that are just really between the two of you and your family, between you and God, and that there is a generosity in the heart of God towards you as a minister that he actually wants you to enjoy those kinds of things that will bring you life and bring you sanity because he's invested in your sanity as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So those two principles, when we think about the fishbowl life for those who are particularly in full-time ministry, those two principles, sanity is worth money and cultivating the discipline of living a private life in a documented world are two of the best things that we have stumbled upon and really encourage you to embrace particularly in this season of, of summer and just rethinking and recalibrating and rest, we encourage you to consider those two things. 
Thanks so much for joining us on the Walking With Podcast today. As always, if you are interested in learning more about who we are and the work that we do, you can find links in the show notes to see more about that. And we just want you to have a restful July. This last year and a half through the pandemic has been so burdensome. And now as things open up, we hope that you find rest and that this series helps you do just that. See you same time, same place next week.